pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you once again on a Sunday morning, and Lord, we are in need. There is not a one of us standing here this morning that does not have burdens, cares, struggles in our personal lives, and Lord, you are the only one that can truly meet them. We just ask that you'd be with this missionary family that's with us today, that you would enable them, that you would help them to raise their support, and Lord, that they would soon get to the field that you have called them, and Lord, we ask that you would help us to be faithful in the field to which you have called us, right here in our own neighborhood. Lord, that we would live and serve you till you come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please remain standing for the next hymn. And turn to the book of Ephesians. I hear that song this morning, and part of my memories go uh, back to the time when my wife and I were dating. Her family was singing that song in churches as they traveled, and they had recorded that song. And when I was traveling with Brother Clayton, I'd put that tape in and listen to it, especially when I was driving late at night, and and heard that song and. Uh, little did I dream the journey that God would have for us. And yet, uh, I stand before you today, uh, 31 years into our marriage. This week will be 27 years our church has existed in Astoria, Queens. And uh, we have nothing but to thank God that He is the one that has set us out in that way. You have much to look forward to, being married for three months now, almost four and just starting on that journey, serving the Lord. And uh, what I want us to do the next several Sunday mornings, uh, I am not sure how long this is going to last, but I do want us to take the book of Ephesians and, and to uh, go through this book. Um, Ephesians really... Um, People have tried, uh, the, those that do not like the Bible have tried to go through and say, well, this part was written by this man in such and such a time. They've never been able to do anything with the book of Ephesians. It is Paul's book. It is Paul's attitude. It is Paul's message. And he spent more time at Ephesus than he did at any other work in his earthly ministry. He was persecuted there greatly. That was the place where the whole city of Ephesus, and you have to remember Ephesus was not a little town. Uh, Ephesus was the New York City of the Roman world. It wasn't the capital, of course, that was Rome. But everything else that went on in, in the Roman Empire happened at Ephesus. And uh, it was also the head of the great uh, cult of Aphrodite, or Diana, as she was called in Ephesus. And it was, it was really just a terrible, sin-sick city. The people, as Paul administered there, they brought out their books, their occult books, and all of this. 50,000 pieces of silver, it tells us, were burned up in a fire, uh, because they understood that the things that were in those books were not of God. Now, I'll tell you, 30 pieces of silver would buy a slave in those days. So, you stop and think about how many years and years income there, the value would be uh, uh, beyond our imagination and the people brought these things out of their homes and said, I have no need for them anymore. Their value that once was very high on in our estimation is now less than worthless. And so they got rid of them. Now, Paul is writing to the, book of, uh, to the church there at Ephesus, one of his last letters. He's in prison. He's awaiting his execution. And I will tell you, that he packs into this book everything that he can possibly get in there. He wants this church to understand God's Word, God's will. And this morning, I want us just to read the first 12 verses. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. 
Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. I will tell you that Paul has just these first 12 verses here. Uh, we, could, we could spend from now and every Sunday from between now and the first of the coming year and, and just try to explore these things, but... We, we want to get the bigger picture as well, and we want to look at the work of God, because we, we understand a few things about our Bible, if, if we will, uh, just setting uh, the groundwork, the context. This letter was written to the saints which are at Ephesus. Now, it was understood about a few things of the saints that were at Ephesus. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you would not have any reservations about following him through the waters of baptism. And in baptism is the entrance to the local assembly of the church. That it's not a universal, invisible thing. That it's not an organization. In, a, in the slide presentation, he talked about the organizations of the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church and and I, I will tell you, the, the Protestants salivate over this passage because twice the word predestinated was used. And uh, we repudiate Calvinism. We, we do not need a medieval lawyer to help us understand God's word. Uh, was Calvin wrong about everything? The devil's not wrong about everything, my friend. But we're not here to see how much we can get away with, we're here to see how close to God we can get. And this letter was written to a local church in the context of serving God through His church. The work that God would do in the lives of these people in this great wicked city, but that's going to be done as they serve God in the context of the local church. Now, we, I just have marked these things in my notes, and I want us to follow through. The things that God is doing, the things that uh, are promised here, is the work of the Lord. Let's start in verse 3. It says, "...who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ." Now, uh, there is an awful lot of talk of blessing today. And uh, if you have any questions, you just turn on uh, TBN or uh, some of the, turn on your radio and you'll hear those people talking. If you're blessed of God, you'll have all the money you want. Well, does that hold up with the rest of your Bible? No, it doesn't. Because if you had all the money you wanted, would you serve God? Now, let's be honest. Now, I'd be too busy having fun. 
And yet, I, I don't know how else to put this, except I've had so many people over the years come through my office, sit down, say, Pastor, I, I want to serve God, and I know church is important, but you don't know, all I want is a good life. Well, could I challenge you today that to be blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus is the definition of a good life? Would anyone want to argue that point? Uh, and if you do, I want to give you an IQ test, all right? I'm sorry, not trying to insult you here today. But, but if you can't understand that being blessed with all spiritual blessings that God can give us, that is the good life. You couldn't get a better life. And yet, this is, uh, here, if you will look at the, the tense of the verbs here, it says, who hath blessed us. That means you have them. We have them. And the first question is, why doesn't it feel that way? Uh, Well, we could take the cheater's way out and say, see, those blessings are heavenly blessings. They're spiritual blessings, so you can't really realize them here on earth. Has anybody got one of those buzzers that you missed the question? I mean, that's just not the answer. Because the key to enjoying this physical life is what is going on inside. Isn't that true? Can all the money in the world buy you one second of peace in your heart? No, in fact, the more money you have, the more worry you should have about people coming and taking what you do have. Uh, I mean, that's the world we live in, is it not? Uh, Every once in a while somebody says, "Uh, Pastor, if I win the lottery, I'm going to give a bunch to the church. You keep that dirty money. Uh, we, We don't need those kind of heartaches. Neither do you. Don't waste your money playing the devil's games. You see, those blessings are there. Here's our problem. We're too busy scraping in the dirt and the struggle of this world trying to get something we think we need to just stop and live in the blessings that God has already given us. You see, and those blessings are as we serve Him in His church. You see, when we get to heaven, you know what we're going to be doing in heaven? People like to talk about the church in prospect. Uh, the, the church in heaven. When we're all together assembled, and, and uh, I've even had some people foolish enough to argue with me about the local church, and they said, you see, well, but what about the church in heaven? And I always go, excuse me, uh, what does in heaven mean? Hello? It's a local church. It's a physical assembly. We're all together in one place. The reason that church is not functioning, we call it the church in prospect, is because we're still here. Stuck on good old planet Earth. All of the problems, all of the sin, all of the trials, all the difficulties. But in God's mind, we're already there. Assembled and beholding His goodness and worshiping Him. Because time does not affect God like it does us. This is the first cool day of fall. My favorite time of the year. Until I wake up on Sunday morning. And everything hurts. Well, almost. What doesn't work doesn't hurt. But, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. As you get older, you feel these things. And you young people laugh at us. But you're going to join us someday. Amen? It's coming. And, And if we're not careful... We will allow the struggles of this life, the difficulties of trying 
to eke out a living, trying to do the best we can to rob us from all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know what church is really about? It's about getting ready for heaven. How many of you enjoyed singing those songs? I sure did. One of the beautiful things about the old hymns, anybody can sing them. Everybody can sing them. One of the great criticisms I have of this modern music is most of it, much of it, is written to accentuate the voice and the talents of the performer. Because only special people can go way up high and way down low and make it sound good. I can't make anything sound good unless I'm in a big group like a church congregation. And you see, when we get to heaven, we're all going to be that good, better. But until we get there, God wants us to lift our voices in praise, whether it's in perfect pitch or not. And that's why we sing as a church. Because part of the blessing, I'll I'll tell you just all the wonderful memories. Uh, In in my mind, you'll have to forget, I'm I'm driving in the middle of the night down a Georgia road trying to catch up with Brother Clayton, listening to the Marshall family sing, I'll go with God. And in my heart I say, boy, I wonder what's going to happen in my life as I go with God. And I'll tell you what, the story would take too long to tell here this morning. Just trying to list all the blessings, all the miracles that God has done over the years. Oh, my only regrets at this point in my life is where I took my attention off those blessings that God's already given me and tried to get something done on my own. It's all about serving Christ. But that's just the first. We're not going to get through all of them if I keep this long on each one, but we'll just keep coming here. Verse 4, According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. Now, all of our uh, Calvinistic people love to see. See there? God chose you before the foundation of the world. God did not give you a choice about salvation. Well, then why did He say, whosoever will? Why did He say that we're supposed to call upon the name of the Lord? Why did the Bible tell us and give us the command to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 There, There is a choice that has to be made. And would it be amazing to anyone who is of a thinking brain that God might in His infinite knowledge know who chose Him and who would agree with Him before we were born? Is that amazing? Is that a deep thought? No. It's that simple little childish faith, childlike faith that the Bible tells us we're supposed to have. But here's how God has chosen us. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Oh, could we not spend the whole morning on that? In fact, we did spend the entire Thursday night on the word holy, just recently, just Thursday night. What, what that word means. And we can't go over all that entire sermon tonight. It'll be up on the website and you can listen to it. But holy, separated unto God's service, usable by God, without blame. Now, How many of us would take that title to ourselves? That I've never done anything wrong. Nobody can accuse me. Might be a very foolish statement to make now, wouldn't it? But the Bible says, without blame. How many of you have some, don't raise your hands, 
But I want you to think about this. You have a hurt. You have a pain that you carry around for years. And you blame somebody for what they did to you. Now the Bible tells us that as a believer in Christ, we cannot do that. But let's stop and think about this for a moment. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Why was he spit on by men that he created? Why did he go through all that suffering? Aren't we the ones to blame for that? Guilty. Every one of us. I don't know anything more injurious you can do to a person, humanly speaking, than to injure their child. And that is why God presents Himself as God the Father and Jesus Christ as God the Son, so that we could have just a little inkling of what God did to save us from our sins And the fact that Jesus took upon Him all of our suffering and God does not blame us for that. Are you getting a hold of this? This this is God's work. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. He has chosen us in spite of the fact that we are to blame for the sufferings of Jesus Christ. And I am so glad that we don't serve a God of man's imagination when they say, well, God knows we're all sinners and He just, just forgives it. You know, he just, he, he just brushes it away. I'm sitting here going, no, my God doesn't do that. Every sin was paid for in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's why God doesn't hold us to blame for our sins because Jesus took it all. See, no other religion talks about that. People, they... We we live in a fantasy land. I, I remember meeting a fellow and he we got into a good discussion he was of the religion of islam and 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 i just said listen i want to know what allah does with your sins i know what the bible says but i i want to know what you say about your religion he says well allah just chooses to forgive them i said how does that work Well, he just forgets them. He just takes them off the record. I said, you know, that's the difference between your God and my God. My God does not take any sin off the record unless the entire debt is paid. And God chooses all those who will accept that great blessing of the forgiveness of our sins in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He wants to Present us holy and without blame. Now, that last phrase there is incredible. Before Him in love. You know, love is what everybody talks about today. You know, the the terrorists hate us uh, because we don't love them enough. Well, I want to challenge you that if we took money over there and uh, built them beautiful houses to live in and lifted up their quality of living, they would destroy all the houses in a week and take the money and buy weapons to try to kill us. Because that's what's in their heart. If we want true love, you can only find it in God. That's why the Bible says, God is love. If we would stop and just take a toll here, we, uh, 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 poll here, we have most of the inhabited continents of this world, many, many different people groups represented here this morning. And as we assembled together, you know what? There wasn't one 
What are they doing here? Because we are all in the same position before holy God. And we are, those that are saved, are without blame and holy in the love of Jesus Christ. And you know what that does? That gives me freedom to actually care about other people. Isn't it amazing how the world accuses Bible believers of being uncaring? And yet, stand up in a public forum and deny global warming and see how friendly and lovely the world is around you. Uh, I, I mean, I could give so many examples, but this is what God wants to do in His church. To realize that God has paid, the God of heaven, the Creator God, has paid enough attention to this world that He created, that He knows my name, He knows my life, He chose me before the foundation of the world, not because I am someone special, but because He is good. All I had to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am holy, unblameable, without blame, before Him in love. And we come down to verse 5, and it says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. We, I mean, we've only come through three verses here. And yet, we are covering the most sacred, complex truths of the entire Scriptures. But are they really that hard to understand? That we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places through Christ Jesus. That He has chosen us to be holy and without blame before Him in love. And He has predestinated us to the adoption of children. Somebody wrote a little thing on adoption and and was trying to help children that have been uh, adopted to understand or to to get a little comfort in that. They said, uh, parents of natural born children don't get to pick their children. But adoptive parents pick their children. And what God is saying is, I picked you. And I've predestinated you. I have given you a charge that I want you to be worthy to be my child, to be named. Jesus Christ, it says here, by Jesus Christ to himself. How often have we been through this ground of all that Jesus had to put up with from the disciples? All the foolishness that Jesus had to endure. Even as they're walking to Gethsemane, the disciples are trying to figure out who's going to take control and be in charge when Jesus leaves. Oh. And then, he says, pray that ye enter not into temptation. And they did. Uh, I'll tell you. I love the patience of our Lord Jesus Christ. But why did he put up with us? So that he could be the firstborn among many brethren. So that he could choose us. It says according to the good pleasure of his will. Men have written many, many stories. About people who were lost and... uh, or removed from their inheritance. Think of Robert Louis Stevenson's story, Kidnapped, uh, as his uncle ships him off to be sold as a slave in the American colonies. And, of course, it's a made-up story. And how he goes through all of these different trials and comes back, and he finally comes into his inheritance. It's a pretty moving story if you read it. And I would challenge you, it's not a waste of time to read some things like that. 
but I want you to think about this. It says that we are chosen, we are predestinated to the adoption of children by the good pleasure of God's will. God wants us, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, we're going to be talking about inheritance in a minute. Yeah, there's some overlap in these things. But it is God's good will that we are part of this family. Look at verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. I don't know if you've ever been a place where people stared at you and you didn't belong. But I'll tell you, there are very few things that are more uncomfortable than walking into a room of people and they don't want you there. In fact, where I grew up in Carroll County, Maryland, uh, there were places that uh, prejudice reigned supreme. Uh, I never went to these places, praise God, but I was told that if you parked anything other than Harley-Davidson in front of the bar and walked in, that they would throw your bike out in the middle of the street and you on top of it. Because they just had, you had to be a part. And let me tell you, it was a little tiny town. Everybody knew everybody. You walked in and it was not nice. You better know somebody. You better have some friends or you are going to be in big trouble real quick. And that kind of prejudice and hatred still is is in existence in our world today. Don't ever think that it's gone. Nobody's going to make it better until the Prince of Peace rules from the City of Peace. But it says, accepted in the beloved. Do you get that? I don't have to hang my head when I come before the throne of grace to obtain mercy in a time of need. I don't have to come to some special place of wealth or power or whatever to be accepted into the fellowship of the church. All I have to do is be obedient to this book called the Bible. To follow that Savior makes me accepted in the beloved. Verse 7, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. If you got one of those new Bibles, they'd like to take out the blood and, and all of these other things. But the forgiveness of sins. Redemption. The purchased, the repurchase of something lost. And God has paid that according to the riches of His grace. Can I ask you a question? Has God ever overdrawn the bank account of His grace? No. Can't happen. I've had people say, well, I've just sinned too much. Stop being proud about your wickedness and humble yourself before God and let Him take care of it. Because He already has. It's just like the spiritual blessings. They're already there. His forgiveness is already there. That does not mean we ignore our sin and pretend it never happened. No, it means we confess our sin to Him because He's faithful and just to forgive us that sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now look at verse 8 here. It says, "...wherein He abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself. Now, again, we live in a world where everybody tries to be the smartest man in the room. And uh, we always have these people on uh, the radio and on television. Well, we have here our resident expert. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'd like to check those credentials. How about you? 
uh, some of those smartest people in the room are the, uh, uh, are the most foolish people I've ever met. The idea here is, it says, He has given us wisdom and prudence. Could we not use a little more wisdom in our world today? Do you know what prudence is? It's being able to understand things that will happen before they happen. That's basically what prudence is. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. God wants us to understand. Uh, I will tell you, as parents, you don't have to be extremely prudent to understand that if you do not take care of that child when it is little, he or she is little, when you do not discipline them when they're little, they're going to make big problems when they get big. Uh, Dr. Spock never figured that out until it was too late. Uh, that was the book that was in, and nothing to do with the Star Trek guy, okay? I know that's what everybody thinks of. Uh, but there was this doctor, his real name was Spock, and, and he wrote a book on how to raise children without discipline. After he destroyed his own children's lives as a grown man, he looked back and said, you know, this book wasn't very good. He said, I've ruined an entire generation. Well, I'd like to challenge you, it's been more than one. You see, prudence tells us that it's a whole lot easier to take care of problems when they're little than it is when they're big. Amen? Wow, that was an amazing thought process, Pastor. I'm so glad you and most of you are going... Why are you making such a big deal? Because 90% of our people in Congress don't have enough prudence to understand their own words. And there are leaders. Don't look at me. We elected them as a nation. We, we get the government we deserve here in the United States, and that's not very much. You see, God says that he make known the mystery of his will. And we can follow the purposes of God himself. Verse 10. That in, this, in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Now, we've already talked about the church and what the church is about, but how many of you remember John chapter 11 when Jesus resurrected Lazarus from the grave? He had been in the grave for four days, and some of those Pharisees and Sadducees that were there helping Mary and Martha with the mourning process for their brother, uh, comforting her, and, well, if Jesus had only been here, things would have been different. Well, Jesus came four days late, and things were different now, weren't they? And they went their way, and they had a big confab, a big secret meeting. And Caiaphas, the high priest, prophesied sometime before these events that Jesus would gather together in one all the children of God. Do you know what? That's what the church is about. Amen? that we can come together and one of these days we're going to be together in heaven in Jesus Christ. Verse 11, the inheritance. It says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of Him that worketh all things after the counsel of His will. I've often tried to say this, a little tongue-in-cheek at times, but trying to help us grab a hold of this truth. This whole thing about predestination is the fact that God will make us who are saved fit for heaven. In heaven, we will fit into God's plan. Now, how much changing God has to do he has given us a life. He has given us a church to, to see that change and that transformation of 
wayward sinners into servants of the Most Holy God. But if you are obstinate and refuse to let God do His work in this life, guess what? In a moment, in the twinkling of the eye, He's going to get it all done. It's going to be a shock. Uh, it's going to be tough for some people. But if we'll surrender now, and we'll start that process, we'll, we'll make ourselves, we'll allow God to make us worthy and to enjoy that inheritance. You see, that inheritance is the counsel of His own will. Now, verse 12, this is the ultimate point of true Christianity, the ultimate task of the church, the ultimate accomplishment of any believer, that we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ. We, we don't have time to chase all this out, but you know what the devil's job was before he became the devil? It was to reflect the glory of God throughout the universe. He was the anointed cherub that covered But he fell. And God says, I will be glorified in my church. You know what? It's our job as a church to show forth the glory of God to the world in which we live. Amen? If we can accomplish that, we have realized the greatest ideal in the Bible. These are the things that God wants to do through His church. Now, I do want you to understand something. And very quickly, let's just look through. Uh, we're going to start in, in verse 3. It says, Who hath blessed us? The last phrase, in Christ. Verse 4, As He hath chosen us. Uh, before him in love. Verse 5. Having predestinated us uh, according to the good pleasure of his will. Verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Uh, further, he hath made us seven in whom we have redemption through his blood. The riches of his grace. Verse 8. He hath abounded toward us. Verse 9, having made known unto us. Verse uh, 9, the last phrase, hath purposed in himself uh, that he might, verse 10, gather together. Do you get the point here? Every verb, every good thing that is in these promises, in these works that God wants to do in his church. God is the source of the action. Not us. You see, this is the difference between false religion and true religion. False religion, you are the source of the action. Why? Because no church can fleece God. You can only get fleeced by shearing sheep. And so churches gather people in and they... Shear the sheep. They take from them. That's why some of the poorest and most uh, backwards countries in this world are run by religious organizations. Because they can't get what they want from God, so they get it from people. God doesn't need anything. He's the one that gives. And He gives through His church as we submit to His will. As we choose to serve Him on a daily basis. Because God's will. Would it, would it amaze you today to contemplate the fact that you cannot do anything better than God's will? I mean, that should not be an amazing thought to us. That shouldn't... In fact, it's so natural. Everybody goes, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Well, how about being in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night? Well, well, well wait a minute, Pastor. That's, that's a lot of effort there. Uh, 
Well, let's go back. Could you improve on God's will? Uh, but I, I don't need the church to serve God. Excuse me, can you improve on God's will? Uh, I'm just not in that organized religion thing. Well, I feel very sorry for you because Jesus was. It's his church. He said he's going to build it. And, and if you want to, you can be a part of it. But you've got to let him do the work. Because he saves you, he sanctifies you, he gives you wisdom. There's not a part of your life that is not left out in, in these, that is not covered in these verses. Then this is just the introduction to the book of Ephesians. What is the greatest thing that people can have? They say, I just want to be happy. Well, can you get any happier than to have all the spiritual blessings of God in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? Could you have any more joy of life than knowing that you are personally fulfilling the personal will of Almighty God for your own personal life? I mean, we have some missionaries here that said they're called of God. Now, that doesn't mean he was sleeping one night and God said, Go to Germany. Or like another missionary, I'm sorry, we, we don't support. Uh, I, I saw the name of the country on a truck driving past me. And then, then I was driving down the sign. And there, it was on this sign over here. It was on that sign. God was telling me to go to this country. Wrong. That's not how it works. You get busy serving God right where you are. I learn more about serving God, changing oil, and fixing Brother Clayton's trucks than I did in Bible college. Now, I couldn't have learned the lessons traveling with Brother Clayton if I hadn't finished Bible college first. It was a good foundation. You see... You have to serve God His way. My family. Family is important. God's given me the right. He has given me a new birth. I am born into His family. He has predestinated me to the adoption of children. That means He wants me to live a life that's worthy of His name. Now, that's a terrifying thought, is it not? But how do I do that? I'm accepted in the beloved. I have the right to walk into the very presence of the God of heaven and ask anything in Jesus' name through prayer. Can you imagine that? And where would you be without the encouragement and the help and the love of other of God's people? You know, that's the neat thing about missions in the independent Baptist churches. Is we don't have a grand poobah somewhere telling people what to do. The missionaries travel to each individual church. And each individual church makes an agreement to help that missionary. Because we're all serving the same head, which is Jesus Christ. And it works. And it works. Our church is a result of missions. We have churches from all four corners of this world, of this country, I'm sorry, uh, who have helped us and given in the past so that we could exist, supported us monthly until our church was able to take on that responsibility, helped us raise the money that we needed to pay for the building, and our own people here raised a great deal of money to help pay for this building. We all work together. But I'll tell you, the best part is what was given to our church, our church has been able to give out to other churches. That's what our missions conference, start praying about that, people. We want God to do His work. How many of you have ever just been troubled in your mind about things and just say, boy, I just don't understand, I'm confused. Well, it says here that He has uh, abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. 
it's not hard to figure out what's going on in this world if we'll just put Jesus first. You know what? None of us know what the future's going to hold. The things that I do with my life, they're His will. We've, we've said it how many times? God called us to come here and start this church. The proof is we have a church. But if we ever lose sight of that fact that it was all of God, we've lost everything. Because our hope is only in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want Jesus to get the glory for what he is doing. Can we say amen to that? You see, that's what Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus. Uh, And through the Holy Spirit of God, that's what Paul is writing to the Open Door Bible Baptist Church of Astoria. And to any church. God doesn't treat us differently. He wants all of these things in our life. Today. In the real world. Those blessings are there. We have them. They're already in our life. Why don't we enjoy them? Because we're too busy out digging in the dirt trying to get our own blessing. When all we need to do is turn around and receive what God's already given us. Have you been saved today? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? That's the greatest and foremost. The forgiveness of sins. But then we need to serve Him through His church. That's His will. And if we will live for Him His way, we can enjoy the blessings that God has given us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You this morning. And Lord, we ask now that you would work in our hearts and lives. Lord, that we would read through these things here. All of these blessings. All of these wonderful things that God has done and promised in his word. And Lord, that we fail to realize because we're too busy trying to do our own thing. We ask that you would help us to surrender ourselves to you. And let you do your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to have Leland come lead us in the hymn of invitation. Let's sing that first verse together. Then when we're done, if you need to come and...